to the last part in our series, and we're going to get into this. Um, there were a couple core Gnostic teachings. We've talked about this. But one, the flesh is evil, and nothing will ever change that. All right? That was one of their core teachings. The second one, Jesus was not a man, and he didn't live on this earth. And the third one, we have reached a spiritual level where we are not affected by sin. It's interesting, a book I'm reading addressing Gnosticism, I want to read you just a short little sentence or two from, from this book. It says, these teachers claimed to have reached such an advanced stage of spirituality that they were beyond evil. They maintained that they had no sin, not in the sense that they had reached moral perfection, but in the sense that what might be considered sin for some people at a less mature stage was no longer considered sin for them at their stage of spiritual maturity. This teaching was dangerous. Dangerous. It wasn't just inaccurate. It was dangerous. Think about this, guys. If we go around teaching that, hey, the flesh is evil and there's nothing you can do about it. If we... If we Take out any hope of change. Hey, change is impossible. And there's nothing you can really do about it. Imagine what that teaching would produce throughout the church. If you take away the life of Jesus. Guys, Jesus was sent as a human to be a perfect example of how we should live. Right. If you take that away, what do we follow? What example do we have? And if we teach that we can somehow reach some sort of spiritual level where sin does not affect our life or our salvation, God help us. Because this is the thing about teachings, guys. False teachings. It's not just that it's inaccurate. What we've got to understand Teachings produce action. Teachings, things that we believe in and live by, those influence our life. Those influence our action. So it's not just about head knowledge. It's not just, hey, you're teaching the right thing, so you get to go to heaven. And you're teaching the wrong thing, so you get to go to hell. There's fruit from these teachings. And they were very, very dangerous fruit. You know, I, I, when I was playing football, we started a little, it was a football kind of Bible discussion. And I wasn't leading it, I was just a part of it. And I remember, uh, you know, we were going around, and one of the guys was talking about, um, he was living with his girlfriend, and they were sleeping around. And I read a scripture to him, and pointed out that, you know, bro, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, continuing to live this way, it's not right. And the group turned on me. Come on. Bro, you know, hey, Willie, you've got to be more loving. We've got to be more, you know, we are saved by God's grace. We don't need, we're not defined by our sin. And that was, and then it was like, I was kind of like the, the outcast, you know, the, the mean guy. We don't deal with Gnosticism exactly. But guys, you better believe that these same teachings that water down sin 
we deal with today. Our religious society has gone soft on sin. It's trendy now for churches to use different phrases or words other than sin because of its harsh connotation. Think about that. Churches, people that are trying to lead people to live like Jesus, are wanting to use words other than sin because it sounds too mean. Guys, do not confuse it. Sin is cancer. It is cancer. It starts small, and it spreads, and it grows, and it grows until it destroys. Sin is cancer. Could you imagine if I found out one of my kids had cancer, and my response was, you know, it's not a big deal. I think they'll be all right. I'm not too worried about the outcome. It's not, no, I don't think it'll affect them that much. Can you imagine how inappropriate of a response that would be? Guys, sin is cancer. Do not confuse it. And we need to treat it as such. And all this plays into this test of sin that John gives. And he gives a couple of things. Here's the test of sin. Are they real about sin, and do they deal with sin? That's the test, okay? And so we're going to get into those two parts, being real about sin. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. It's interesting. John is using their words against them, right? Because that was one of the big Gnostic teachings. God is light. No darkness can be in him. Therefore, Jesus wasn't a human because he can have nothing. You know, and so he uses their words. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. But then he kind of, he changes it a little bit. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Guys, you want to know if they're right or wrong, what's, you know, what's in the light, what's not? Do they claim to have not sinned? Are they real about sin? And he goes into this thing about confession. You know, guys, confession is the first big step. And being real about our sin and dealing with it. And if you are like me, I'm terrified of confession. I, I have no idea why. I'm pretty sure when I was a young kid, one of my earliest memories at church was someone coming up on stage and having to confess all their sin. And, they, you know, so I think it just, it was ingrained in my head that, oh my gosh, if I tell anyone what's going on in my life, I'm going to be put up in front of the church and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just grew up with this terror of, oh my gosh, yeah. 
And I, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to that. But, you know, James, James 5 talks about how confession, confessing to one another is a healing time. It's not this negative, scary connotation. It's a time of healing. Guys, confession is a good thing. It's opening up what's going on in there, right? I remember when I went to this uh, ministry training program. And I get there, and you're, we're, we're partnered up with a random roommate. I, I have a car, so I, you know, hey, come on in. What's your name? I'm Willie. And he just goes, bro, can I start, can I confess to you? And I was just like, sure. This was, it was, I was very uncomfortable. I was like, this is kind of weird. And he's like, and he starts confessing things like, I'm insecure. I'm insecure about being here. And I feel myself getting competitive. And I feel myself wanting to impress other people. And, you know, and just like his whole week, he just starts confessing all this stuff. And I was just like, what's your name? I don't, you know, didn't, I didn't, I'm Will, I didn't get yours. But as the, you know, as the three weeks went on being together, and, and this was just a consistent thing. Bro, I just, I, I woke up this morning, I was just a little afraid about some stuff today. It really changed my perception of confession because I think I always viewed confession of you do it when you've done something really bad, right? And then you just, it's just this, well, here we go. And what are the, but I think what I learned from this guy, his name is Travis. Confession is just realness about what's going on in your life. And sin is not just the big, ugly stuff, right? Anxiety, being anxious. God tells us, hey, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Those are things that we, we confess about. We open up about those things in our life. We're real about the parts in us that are not like Jesus. That's confession. We've got to change the connotation around confession. Amen? And, you know, we see a parallel passage in John chapter 3. It says, this is the verdict. I think I may, let me see if I have. There we go, John 3, 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Disciples of Jesus, people who are in the fellowship, in the light, are real about sin. We don't try to cover it up. We don't try to hide it. We don't lie about it. And we don't pretend that it's not there. And that's what John is addressing here. Confess your sins. If you claim to be without sin, if you're pretending like you have no sin, you're a liar. And you are not in the light. Guys, not confessing sin because you're afraid of the outcome. That would be like, I don't want to go to the doctor for my checkup, because I don't want him to tell me that I've got cancer. So I'm just going to not go, and hopefully it'll just go away. Right? Or if you're like me, I hate the dentist. Right? Uh, every time I go to the dentist, I one time went to the dentist, I had 11 cavities. Right? Every, you know, it just, every summer break, every winter break, I go to the dentist, hey, you have a bunch of cavities, so we're going to need you to come in, you know, next week. And sit here for three hours while we just grind and gnaw on your teeth and stab you in the gum. And then you're going to be numb for the rest of the day and half your break's gone. Right? So I just got to the point when I got to college, I'm like, I'm not going to the dentist. Forget it. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm at, my mom comes into town, we're out to eat. What's wrong? I want to drink water. It's just cold and it kind of hurts. Like, yeah, you should probably go to the dentist. No, I'm okay. And then you go to the dentist and you have a couple root canals. You have to get a couple crowns, right? And now, you know, you're, you're out a couple thousand dollars. It's just like, oh, I probably should have just gone to the dentist, right? Probably should have, looking back on it. It's the same thing with confession. Well, let me just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to not talk about this. I'm going to try to change, but I'm not going to talk about it. And it's not a big deal. It's just going to go away because I know if I confess it, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know if this is going to affect my, you know, this. or I, uh, It's the same thing. We've got to be okay with it. Guys, confession is a good thing. It's allowing us to open up so we can see the cancer in there and get rid of it. Let's change the, the connotation and the culture of confession. Let's be open and real about what's going on. Disciples of Jesus are open and real with sin. We don't hide it. We don't lie about it. We don't pretend that it's not there. We're real about our sin. My challenge for the church, my encouragement, if there is unconfessed sin in your life, don't let this day end without getting real and open about it. I've been there. You listen to these messages, you have this internal battle of, I need to just immediately after pull so-and-so aside and tell, I just got to get the, and then, no, don't, you've gone this, you know, uh, just get real. Get real about what's going on. doesn't matter how ugly you think it is or how little you think it is. Let's be real and open about the sin in our life. Amen? Yeah. Oh, good. John, thank you. I'm definitely in the light then, because I sin all the time, and I confess all the time. So, amen. I'm good. Right? And so, in, in, cha in chapter 2, 1 John 2, verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this so that you won't sin. Right? Because there's always that danger in that, right? Hey, confess your sins, and everything's good. Okay, cool. So, no matter what I do, as long as I'm open with it, it's forgiven, you can't tell me anything else. So I'm just going to do whatever I want as long as I confess it. And John's like, ah, I'm not giving you a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin, okay? Not that you will continue to do so, okay? So, guys, let's be real about what's going on in our life. Let's walk in the light. Let's not live in the darkness, amen? This next, uh, I think, can we go next slide, please? Is we've got to deal with sin. Confession is good, but it's just the first part in dealing with sin in our life. It's just a part. We actually have to deal with it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them, they cannot go on sinning, because they've been born of God. This is how we, are, we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. 
Guys, we, we got to be real with sin. But there's an expectation of change. There is an expectation of change. John just hits him in the face, right? Hey, okay, you want to know who's in the light, who's in the dark? Well, if they keep living in sin, they're a child of the devil. Because no one who's a child of God will continue to live that way. There is an expectation of change. Confession is the first part. But guys, we've got to deal with the sin. We've got to do whatever it takes to deal with the sin that's in our life. Sin that isn't dealt with, even if confessed, will grow and will come back bigger and stronger and uglier than it did the first time. We've got to be open, but then we've got to get in there and dig it out. I have a picture here. Most of you guys remember this 20-foot, what I called a weed and what several questioned me what was a tree. So I chopped it up to bring it and give an analogy as a sermon, right? So it's back, right? <laughs> Three months later, eight and a half feet tall. Right? Okay, and I'm not looking for landscaping advice. All right, that's not the purpose. It's not by any, way, any means the purpose of this. I appreciate it. But guys, undealt with sin is just like this, right? And that's how a lot of us, I think, deal with the sin that's in our life, right? Man, it's grown. It's huge. So I'm going to hack at it with a, a little hatchet. But gosh. I, it's so far down in there that I'll just keep hacking it off from the top. And then next thing you know, it's right back. So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to deal with this thing, right? Because that's how we have to treat sin. We have to get in there and deal with it or it's just going to come back. Don't, don't deceive yourself. Sin that is not dealt with will grow and grow and spread and destroy just like cancer. Am I right? My question for us is how serious are you when it comes to dealing with sin in your life? How terrified of your sin are you? Here's a, here's a better question. How serious is God about dealing with sin. God flooded the earth to deal with sin. God sent his son to be brutally murdered and sacrificed in order to deal with sin. Jesus said, you need to be willing to either cut off your arm or gouge out your eye, whatever, to deal with the sin. We see how serious God is about dealing with sin. How serious are we when it comes to dealing with sin in our life? How extreme are you willing to go to get rid of sin in your life? Because I think a lot of us, right, we want the change without changing. I hate this sin. I want to change. Get rid of the Internet. Oh, that, I mean, I need that. I really want to lift up some of the brothers, you know, a couple years ago, they were getting open about their purity, and they're like, guys, this is enough. And a couple of them just got flip phones. They got rid of their smartphones. Wow. I love that. 
I love that serious, extreme attitude with dealing towards sin. If I don't, even if it's just lust, if I don't fix this thing and deal with it right now, it's going to grow and grow and grow until it destroys everything in me. So i got to get rid of whatever I need to get rid of. If I need to cut off a internet, if I need to cut off a hand, whatever, I'll do it. Because I'm not messing around with this sin. I'm not going to let it just continue on. Think about it, guys. What is, the, what is our solution to cancer? Chemotherapy. Chemo is horrible. But we will willingly do it to deal with cancer. We will put ourselves or our loved ones through the worst treatment you could imagine to get rid of cancer. Because we view cancer that seriously, right? And that destructively. That's the type of attitude we need to have when it comes to sin in our life. Guys, it's, I'm, I, we can't just confess it and just act like it's not a big deal. Do not be deceived. Sin will grow and spread and destroy. God didn't just randomly decide these actions are wrong and these actions are right. No, he's saying these things will destroy. They will destroy your life. They will destroy your family. They will destroy your friendships. They'll destroy your dreams. They'll destroy your relationship with me. They'll destroy your life and the lives of people around you. So we will get rid of this no matter what it takes. That's the mindset we have to have when it comes to sin. Sin in our life and sin in the church. We deal with sin. Disciples of Jesus deal with sin. Not saying we're mean to each other, we're harsh with each other, but we've got to see sin for what it is and not be afraid to deal with it appropriately. Because we love each other. Right? Not because we're mean, because we love each other. Bro, I love you too much to let you just destroy your life. Now, I know there's some guilty souls out there that are like, John, oh my gosh, if you continue to sin, you're a child of the devil. Like, what? Guys, he's not, he's not going after perfection. He's using, you know, if, if you study out the Greek, he's using phrases that are continual present tense language. It's, it's a continuing to walk. Hey, nothing's changed since I was... Of, you know, baptized. Nothing's changed since I decided to follow Jesus. I continue to live the same sinful life that's characterized by the same junk as it was before I decided to follow Jesus. He's not, he, you know, so I know there's some of you that are going to go home and just feel like garbage or you're just, you know, questioning your conversion or do I need to get baptized again? Like what? That's, that's not, you're, don't, don't read into what he's not saying, right? What he's saying is, Children of God are going to be real about sin, and they're going to deal with it. I heard a great, great quote that I've always held on to. Uh, Doug Jacoby, I think it was in one of his books, said, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, then over time you should become more holy. That was super helpful for me, especially as a young Christian, because I was like, oh, what, what, how do, you know. That was super helpful. As life goes on, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should reflect the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. Right. He's not judging it based on one week or one day. Right. We're looking at a bigger picture here. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not saying this to just negate everything I said about sin. I'm specifically talking to those people that are those guilty souls that you're questioning your salvation currently, right? That's not what he's saying. Remember, this letter was written to give people confidence. Right. Yeah. 
So he's saying, hey, you want to know if you're in the light or in the dark? Do you just continually live the same way that you've always lived? Is your life characterized by the same old sin and you just tried to hide it and just pretend like it's not there? That's what he's getting at. You want to know if these guys are in the light or not? Look at their life. Jesus talked about the same thing, right? Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Look at the life. That's the test of sin. Guys, I know there's so much confusion. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's in the light? Who's not? Look at the life. Are they real about sin? Or are they dealing about dealing with sin? Now, this is this this lesson is what it is. Sin is a topic that you know it is what it is. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to just avoid it because we don't like hearing it and it leaves a, a heavier feel. Guys, sin's a cancer. Don't let anyone mislead you. Don't be deceived. Sin will destroy. If there's sin in the church, if there's sin in our lives, we've got to be real about it. We've got to dig it out. We've got to do whatever it takes to get rid of it and deal with it. Amen? Amen. So as we conclude our series here, just to summarize. Remember, guys, he wrote this letter for clarity. I hope that we can hold on to this letter. In a world of religious confusion, you will have times in your life where you are wondering, am I on the right track or not? Was I, was my conversion legit or not? Am I saved or not? Well, there's all these different teachings. Uh, which one? Who's to say who's right and wrong? What, uh, uh, that's what First John's for. And so he gives them these tests, and I hope that these three tests are things that we can always hold on to. And no matter where we're at in life, we can always hold on to these three things. Is there sound doctrine? Is there love? And is there a realness about sin and a willingness to deal with sin? Or is there just continual sinful living? Those three questions, those three tests of fellowship... There's your answer. Now, don't ignore them. You might be sitting there and you're like, well, I don't like this because I'm taking this test and, you know, it's making me feel like maybe I'm not a Christian. You know, so what are you going to do? Just like pretend that I didn't, you know, John didn't write the letter? I'm a Christian. Don't. Take the test. Is there sound doctrine? Do you lay down your life for others? And are you just continuing in the same sin you did since before you were baptized? And the same thing with all these different teachings that are going around there. Look at the fruit. Look at the product of that church. Look at the product of that teaching. Does it contradict what God's word says? Can you see the love and sacrificial laying down of their life within the people? And what do they say about sin? Are they real about it and do they deal with it? 
Guys, these three tests of fellowship, I'm, I'm so, gr- I love, I've grown to love the book of 1 John because it's provided so much clarity. Any question you have, one, two, three. So guys, let's hold on to his word. And in a world of religious confusion, I hope we can hold on to this letter and it can provide us with confidence and clarity so that we can have confidence in our salvation and we don't have to live in, man, I hope I make it. And we'll see when I die, right? We can have confidence in our salvation, amen? Amen. We're going to go to God in prayer and then we're going to close with one more song. Father, we come before you this morning, God, sobered and humbled by your word, but thankful. God, I pray that each and every one of us in the church, God, that we can personally evaluate ourselves. That we can hold on to your word. And God, this, this is so encouraging. We, we have the opportunity to have confidence in our salvation. We don't just have to gamble and hope that we're going to make it. We, we, know, we can know. God, I pray that we can be a church that holds to your truth. God, that we have accurate doctrine. God, I pray that we can be a church filled with individuals that selflessly lay down our lives for the good of others, whether they deserve it or not. And I pray that we can be a church that doesn't water down sin or pretend like it's not there, but we're real about our sin, and we will go to whatever measures necessary to deal with it so that it doesn't continue to grow and spread and destroy. God, thank you for your word, and thank you for the confidence that it provides and the clarity that it provides in a world of religious confusion. Thank you for the opportunity to be called your sons and your daughters and have an opportunity to be a part of your family. So grateful for your family. We love you, and it is in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.